0: Part Three, Chapter Two of O Pioneers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. O Pioneers by Willa Cather. Part Three, Winter Memories. Chapter Two. If Alexandra had had much imagination, she might have guessed what was going on in Marie's mind, and she would have seen long before what was going on in Emil's. But that, as Emile himself had more than once reflected, was Alexandra's blind side, and her life had not been of the kind to sharpen her vision. Her training had all been toward the end of making her proficient in what she had undertaken to do— Her personal life, her own realization of herself, was almost a subconscious existence, like an underground river that came to the surface only here and there, at intervals months apart, and then sank again to flow on under her own fields. Nevertheless, the underground stream was there— and it was because she had so much personality to put into her enterprises, and succeeded in putting it into them so completely, that her affairs prospered better than those of her neighbours. There were certain days in her life, outwardly uneventful, which Alexandra remembered as peculiarly happy, days when she was close to the flat, fallow world about her, and felt, as it were, in her own body the joyous germination in the soil. There were days, too, which she and Emil had spent together, upon which she loved to look back. There had been such a day when they were down on the river in the dry year, looking over the land. They had made an early start one morning, and had driven a long way before noon. When Emil said he was hungry, they drew back from the road, gave Brigham his oats among the bushes, and climbed up to the top of a grassy bluff to eat their lunch, under the shade of some little elm-trees. The river was clear there, and shallow, since there had been no rain, and it ran in ripples over the sparkling sand. Under the overhanging willows of the opposite bank there was an inlet, where the water was deeper, and flowed so slowly that it seemed to sleep in the sun. In this little bay a single wild duck was swimming and diving and preening her feathers, disporting herself very happily in the flickering light and shade. They sat for a long time, watching the solitary bird take its pleasure. No living thing had ever seemed to Alexandra as beautiful as that wild duck. Emil must have felt about it as she did, for afterward, when they were at home, he used sometimes to say, "'Sister, you know our duck down there?' Alexandra remembered that day as one of the happiest in her life. Years afterward she thought of the duck as still there, swimming and diving all by herself in the sunlight, a kind of enchanted bird that did not know age or change. Most of Alexandra's happy memories were as impersonal as this one, yet to her they were very personal. Her mind was a white book, with clear writing about weather and beasts and growing things. Not many people would have cared to read it, only a happy few. She had never been in love she had never indulged in sentimental reveries. Even as a girl she had looked upon men as work fellows. She had grown up in serious times. There was one fancy, indeed, which persisted through her girlhood. It most often came to her on Sunday mornings, the one day in the week when she lay late abed, listening to the familiar morning sounds, the windmill singing in the brisk breeze, Emil whistling as he blacked his boots down by the kitchen door. Sometimes, as she lay thus luxuriously idle, her eyes closed, she used to have an illusion of being lifted up bodily and carried lightly by someone very strong. It was a man, certainly, who carried her, but he was like no man she knew. He was much larger and stronger and swifter, and he carried her as easily as if she were a sheaf of wheat. She never saw him, but— with eyes closed, she could feel that he was yellow like the sunlight, and there was the smell of ripe cornfields about him. She could feel him approach, bend over her and lift her, and then she could feel herself being carried swiftly off across the fields. After such a reverie she would rise hastily, angry with herself, and go down to the bath-house that was partitioned off the kitchen-shed. There she would stand in a tin tub and prosecute her bath with vigour, finishing it by pouring buckets of cold well water over her gleaming white body, which no man on the divide could have carried very far. As she grew older this fancy more often came to her when she was tired than when she was fresh and strong. Sometimes, after she had been in the open all day, overseeing the branding of the cattle or the loading of the pigs, she would come in chilled, take a concoction of spices and warm homemade wine, and go to bed with her body actually aching with fatigue. Then, just before she went to sleep, she had the old sensation of being lifted and carried by a strong being, who took from her all her bodily weariness. End of chapter 2 of part 3